Hello, Esther Deborah here, and this is Agape Love, Love is Here. This is one of the many video sections of the ministry of Pastor Deborah, helping people the Lord's way. Please enjoy the video, and we look forward to you coming again. Pastor Deborah hopes you enjoy hearing about how she has learned how to help people the Lord's way, and have her many wonderful spiritual experiences throughout many, many years of helping people. Welcome again to a video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries. This is Pastor Deb. Love always and forever. Hello, and welcome again. This is Pastor Deborah. And this is another class of leadership development of the Master Class Initiative of Nigeria. We are welcoming other nations. Uganda is coming along with Nigeria. Bangladesh is coming along. And I've also had some requests from some other nations. Yes, the Master Class Initiative is gone worldwide. So welcome students to the next class with Pastor Deborah of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministries, a global spiritual teaching ministry. You can find us on the website on the international websites called www.agapeloveishere.org. You can also find this video on YouTube. Can you believe it? Wow. Pastor Deborah never thought she would be traveling the seas and the roads of social media. You have to remember, I never did a lot of social media. I am not even on Facebook. I'm on YouTube, have a website, I'm on Twitter, and LinkedIn. And that's how I was found on LinkedIn. I was found by a precious young man. I call him Mr. Masterclass. I can't say his name. They've tried to tell me how to say it, but he's just Mr. Masterclass Initiative. I'll put a hashtag with the video so you'll see his name and you'll be able to link to the Masterclass Initiative. There are many, many other teachers that are also having classes. And you'll see them posted on LinkedIn. So go and look. You may like their topics. Some wonderful, wonderful teachers teaching wonderful topics that every leader young or old, need to learn. So welcome, students and disciples. This is going to be class number, let me see in my notes, four. And the title of it, as you can see on the board, is what part of you is the leader? Spirit or your soul? Have you ever thought about that? Most people don't. We just go to classes, take webinars, do Zoom things, read books, 
Go to conferences. What part of you is learning? What part of we of you are we going to be led by? What wisdom from what of those two areas are you going to lead the nation by? Lead your family by. So that's what this number four class of master class initiative is about. So let's begin. I hope you don't mind, but I'm just going to say, I wish that you all will have your notebooks out, your pencils or pens, that you will have your listening ears on, your heart, both of them. Really, three of them will all be open. What? You have three hearts? Yes, you do. You have a physical beating heart, I hope, and I hope it's beating. And you have a heart, that's a mind, of your soul, that subconscious part of you, that's connected to your physical body through emotions and memories and feelings. And then the heart of you, the deep place, the unseen part of you, called the spirit. Oh, it has a heart, it has a mind, it has eyes, it has ears. So let's get all of us and all of our parts listening, watching, and learning. So let's begin. Part four of the Masterclass Initiative, Leadership Development. What part of you is the leader? Your spirit or your soul? I like to ask people this question. Because if you're going to lead yourself, if you're going to lead a family, if you're going to lead a business, or even your neighborhood, or you're going to work in an organization, or you're going to lead a nation, when you get there, what part of you has been learning and growing. What part of you is going to lead us? Oh yes, there could, you have these two parts. And what part is listening? Hopefully your spirit part. What you see out there right now, do you think it's the spirit of the person that's corrupt, that you don't like? Or is that their soul that you don't like? Sometimes I have to ask my Heavenly Father, why do I, I'll, I'll listen to somebody or I'll watch them, and I go, ooh, I don't like that. don't like what they're saying. There's something not right about it. Maybe they have a strange smile. Maybe they got one of those devilish little smiles and I actually cringe and I don't believe what they're saying and I have to ask him I go what is it what part am I responding to am I responding to their soul and I don't like it or is that the makeup or the influence of their spirit 
through their soul. So sometimes I don't know myself and I have to ask. I just did that. I was watching another pastor who's a teacher on YouTube. A lot of them are coming out, you know, at this time because of COVID-19. They're also coming out because of all the stuff going on in the streets. And they're trying to speak calm and peace to people. And this one person came on. And I listened for a little while. I watched them on the stage. And I go, what is it? I don't like it. It just kind of like sandpaper. It ground on me. I don't know what it was. They were saying all the right, quote, Christian words correctly. But there was something about their attitude, their what you might call their performance. I don't know what it was. And I didn't know if I was responding to what they were saying, even though they were correctly quoting the Christian Bible. I didn't know what was I was responding to. Was I responding to their soul? Or was I responding to their spirit? And what part of me was responding? Was that my spirit that was responding? Didn't like it. Or was that my soul that was responding? And it didn't like it either. So I had a major question. And I didn't know the answer. Sometimes when you go and you watch leaders, say on television, the internet, or they give speeches from their capitals or from out to the public, sometimes we don't like how they stand. We don't like the words they use. There's something about their smile we just don't like. Or their hand gestures. Where is that coming from inside of them? Is that being coming from their soul through their body? Or is that their spirit using their soul and their physical body? So in this case for me, just yesterday or the day before, I had to have an answer. Excuse me, I'm going to adjust my microphone. I didn't know why I was feeling the way I felt toward this Christian pastor who was a teacher. So I asked the the Holy Spirit to help me. I had to know, was it just me? Was I being critical and critiquing? Was I jealous? Was I angry at what they were saying? What was it? Something was unsettled in me. We all feel it. We all want to believe that our leaders are righteous people. And they have our interest, our families, our streets, our particular situation in mind when they talk to us. We want to believe that they care about us individually and our needs. And that they're going to take constructive, positive steps To help me. Because I, the person on the street with no house, 
the young person who was just abused, kidnapped, sold for slavery, or I'm an orphan, or I have now, we're all talking about the skins of different colors. We all want to believe that these leaders care personally for us. We have to believe that so we will vote for them. And that they are caring, loving people. And they'll say all the right things to get our vote. Then when they get elected, it's like they were a wolf. And they had a sheep's clothing on them. They were Maybe they bewitched us with their words. Or they put a spell on us. Or they threatened us with intimidation in some way. Don't know. So in this case for Pastor Deborah, I'm on the watching this lady. Excuse me, she was a lady. Still is, I believe. I didn't know if I was jealous of her. I knew something was not right. I felt unsettled. And I didn't know if I was jealous. Or if I was angry at something. So I had to ask. But I knew I wasn't. There was no peace inside of me. Listening to her. Even though she was saying. And quoting the scriptures of the Christian Bible. Correctly. Did I not like her outfit she had on? The way she walked across the stage. What was it? Was it her haircut? Was it her lipstick? What was it? I didn't know. I had no answers, but I had feelings. Sometimes, excuse me, when you are listening to, wanting to believe in a leader, Support, vote for, get behind. We want to believe and have peace within ourselves that this person is right. And they're going to help. And what they're saying to us is correct and righteous. So in this case, it took a little while. I never... Uh, expect the Holy Spirit to answer me right after I ask the question for the reason is I could answer my own prayer Mm -hmm, I've done that my soul part of me will answer what I want to hear but it may not be the truth so it's a I don't know maybe less than an hour later when I'm not thinking about it here's what I heard You are right to be upset in your spirit. For this person, even though they were speaking my words correctly, there was no life on them, no anointing on them. They were words coming just out of her soul. For the soul can learn and is religious, but the soul is dead. There's no anointing coming on the words. So I was reacting to dead words. They were correct. 
but there was no spirit of life on them. For it's not coming from her spirit, anointed by the spirit of life himself. It was coming from her soul. There were dead words. They had no life, no anointing on them from the Holy Spirit. And I learned a valuable lesson. When I hear people, especially pastors who teach or imams, or rabbis talk I'm going to find ask as what they are telling me coming from their spirit that has the Holy Spirit in them the spirit of life itself for there are dead spirits out there that doesn't mean they're dead they just have none of that light they may have other light in them and they may be in contact with another spirit that teaches them. And what comes through their spirit is anointed. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and we see it a lot. It'll have fire in it. And brimstone. It'll be amazing and will mesmerize you. <clears throat> You'll walk away and go, Oh my goodness. You will feel like you have been in a room with a king, a mighty powerful leader, excuse me. <clears throat> oh yeah, the spirit can be anointed by many things. So in this case with this lady, the Holy Spirit was telling me how the reason I was responding, I was irritated was angry I wasn't jealous I was mad that this person was talking to me out of their soul for they had no personal intimate spiritual relationship this person had had a long life was very knowledgeable probably much more knowledgeable than me been out on the world stage for many, many years. But my, I was reacting. I didn't even know if it was my soul. But what I learned, because I have become more spiritual now, and I judge everything spiritually, just like I'm supposed to, my spirit was angry. My spirit was unsettled. And I didn't know exactly why. What I learned, as I said, I was listening to dead words from the soul. Even though they were the correct words. Let's say in your nation, you have a, a pledge that you pledge to the flag or you have a national anthem. And let's say you have two people. One person just reads the pledge. They sound dead. It just doesn't do anything. There's no emotion. There's no feeling. Is that what you're talking about, Pastor Deborah? Can be. Some people's soul are very dead. But when they get in front of the stage, in front of a microphone, in front of a town hall, 
out in the streets, their soul can get loud. It can get animated. It can get powerful. It can get enthusiastic. But it's just the soul. Because the soul is trying to get convince you that it is the leader. It's the one with the wisdom and the knowledge. I just had another case I'll tell you about. I have so many stories. It's just This just happened recently. I was talking uh, on the phone to a precious, precious young lady. All about this mess in the streets and all the rioting. And she was attacking. And she wanted to say that I was racist. I said, sweetie, I lived through segregation. I was there when the Civil Rights Act was initiated. I lived in the military in my other life. I had neighbors. We were having, we were around multicultural people. I had been to black churches, worked and volunteered with black pastors out on the streets, worked in the jails with black sheriffs and guards and prisoners. I had gone to LGBT churches, hugged them, loved them, taken them out to conferences, been with them, sat in their support groups, sat in their board of directors meetings. I had also, in my other life, when I was Jan, that's another old story, I had become friends, deep friends, in college, because I saw no color. And I got ostracized. I wasn't even accepted into a sorority, because I was too close of friends with some black students at my college. My school in Jan's life, she lived in Montgomery, Alabama, during the race riots. My school was one of the first schools when Jan was in high school to have segregated busing. We used to watch the fights in the halls between the blacks and the whites. I had some friendly ones, but some of the boys and the girls, they were mean and nasty. Some of the whites were mean and nasty. I grew up in the deep south. I grew up when George Wallace stood on the steps and wouldn't allow them into college. That was the neighborhood I grew up in. But I was cut from a different stock. I grew up in the military. The military was made up of all races, all ethnicities. That's a hard word to say. We had mixed marriages. They lived next to you. They were your friends. I didn't have that racism in my soul. I had a love for people who were different. I didn't see their physical disabilities or that they were a drug addict or that they were gay or lesbian or homosexual. I didn't see that even in high school. I didn't see any of that. I just loved them. And so I got attacked because I would not admit that I was racist. And I had to tell this young lady that even almost 40 years ago, 
Even Jane dealt with this. She thought she had dealt with it, and here's the story. I was working in a hospital as a chaplain. Saw a black man bend over, drink out of a water fountain. Now remember, Jan grew up in the south, in the community, where we had water fountains, one for the blacks, one for the whites. We even had segregated bathrooms. We didn't have that in the military. We all went to the same place, the same church. We lived next door to each other. We had mixed marriages. We didn't have that. But when I stepped out into the community, oh my gosh, it was there. I knew nothing about the Civil War. I knew more about World War Two and World War One. Then I did the Civil War. I didn't even know what colors were the two had. And a lot of people don't realize here in America, I don't know about your country, that it was slavery was a part of the economic trade. A lot of the blacks do not realize that it was the Democrats who wanted to hold them in slavery in the South. It was the Republicans, Abraham Lincoln, and Christian people who were fighting to free them, help them escape, and they were in the northern part. But the blacks don't have that history. They don't even know the history of that their own people sold them into slavery. Go watch the movie Roots. You will see Kunta Kente, sold by his own people in Africa. Go study your nation. You had slave traders among your own people. Go back and study ancient Rome and Egypt. Slaves have been a part of conquest, trade, labor throughout all of humanity. If your little village got wiped out, go study Attila the Hun. Oh, yes. Slavery's not anything new. Whooping up on the weak, not anything new. So, when I saw that young man drink out of a water fountain in a hospital, I recognized I needed some work done in me. Remember, Jan, not Deborah, had grown up in the community in the South once they stepped off the military base. But you didn't do that. So I knew with inside of me I had to have work done, and I prayed for that to be taken away. That was in my soul. Now there's a lot of history goes back to a lot of stuff got to study you got to do some personal work with inside of yourself you can have there are racists among the white people oh yeah you're not from our town you're still from the north oh you're of a different denomination I tried to tell this young lady the most racist day here in America is on Sunday. 
We have people in the white churches and people in the black churches. Why is that? Where does racism come from? The soul. Mm -hmm. That's right, the soul. So if you're going to become a leader, am I going to be being, am I going to be led, boy, that was hard to say, by your soul and all of its ideas and its concepts and its precepts. Everything you learned when you were growing up in your family, your neighborhood. Am I going to, is that soul being formed by all your experiences? Is that what's going to lead you as a father or a mother? Is that going to make you a leader of your neighborhood, your community, your town? Or is that the part of you that's going to lead you for the nation, your soul? So what I learned, and I had to tell that young girl, because was, I was not racist. Then, of course, Jane died, and she needed to die. That was in the soul. And Deborah came out, got birth. She was always there, waiting for Jane, the soul, to die. Then Deborah arose spiritually. So now I am more spiritual than soulish. My soul now is my servant. You know, sometimes it likes to rise its head up and respond. Buttons will get pushed, sort of to speak. So was that an attack against me? Yes. Souls of people attack us. You attack other people from your soul. Words are said. Your soul will use your body to attack. The lust of your eyes. The beliefs you have in your soul. Like I told you, there's some uh, people in some nations that have AIDS. Men. And they believe that if they have sex with a little child, a virgin, that will cure them or will keep them from getting it. What kind of concept is that? Who taught them that? So they'll go and they will sexually take a five-year-old, four-year-old, a three-year-old, and sexually abuse it and force themselves, their penis, into that child for their own protection from AIDS. That is the soul and the physical body who are one at work from a concept, from an idea that that little child having sex with it, ruining it, abusing it, will keep them or heal them from AIDS. Where'd they learn that? Do you want that kind of person to be your leader? So you have to start looking at yourself, your ideas, your concepts. What do you believe in your soul is a leader? 
Start imagining if you were the president, prime minister, king, the leader of anything. If you're a young person, can you be a leader? What do you think gang leaders are? They're fathers to the fatherless. What do you think a pimp is? He's a leader of his sisters, the women that work for it. It's a business. And if he has to use intimidation and violence to keep them under control so he can make money, that's what he does. There's a lot of women pimps. So the strong prey on the weak. Is that a spiritual thing going on? Yes. Is that a thing of the soul? Yes. So my question to you who want to become leaders. If you become a leader of anything. Let's say you want to just get control of your own life. Is it your soul that is taking control over your physical body? And your spirit has nothing to do with it? Or is your spirit the leader? And it has now been able to subdue the soul and the physical body. What part of you is a leader? I just talked to a precious, precious child, about six years old. And she came to me while I was in the garden. And she asked me about her mother. She said she was so sorry that her mother's soul was attacking me. But she can't ever see her spirit. Her spirit's sort of asleep. It's hidden away in a mist and a fog and in the darkness called the flesh. And the little girl's spirit never really knows, has ever met her mother's spirit. I said, that's no problem. We'll do a Hebrews 4.12 where we will free the spirit from the foreskin of the flesh and I said but when uh, the spirit comes out it'll be a small child probably much younger than you I've been working with this little girl since she was in the womb and as soon as she was birthed uh, out of the womb she came to me and said I'm here I'm here I'm finally here yay Okay, she's about six years old but all she's ever known is the soul of her mother That's what most of us are. Just soulish creatures. We don't really know your spirit. So if you become a leader. What part of you is going to lead? Your spirit? Maybe it's still in the flesh. Sunk down in the miry clay. Covered with a foreskin of darkness. And it won't allow any light and truth and love to get into it. Or is your soul going to lead us? That's one with your physical body. Are your past experiences that you have had, are they going to lead us? Maybe you want to lead to get back at everybody that hurts you. Because you got nothing as a child, and so you're going to steal, rob, and pillage. Is that what's going to lead you? Why do you want to lead? What are your motives? 
for being a leader of anything, business, running your own company. Why do you want to be a father and a mother? They are some of the worst abusive people I've ever known. Because they have a chance to shape and mold a child. To reject its love. Did you know a mother's rejection is the most abusive thing that can ever be done to a child? Why do you want to lead? Why does your soul want to lead? Do you even know that you have a spirit? So what part of you will we be seeing when you lead? If you become president, prime minister, a council member, a rabbi, an imam, a school teacher, a policeman, business owner, what part of you will we be getting to know? Your soul? Your subconscious part of you that's connected to your lust of your eyes, your lust of your flesh and the pride of life, and only knows its experiences from the five senses and what has been taught? Or are we going to meet you, the eternal you, your spirit? Is your spirit alive or dead? Now it's alive. But does it have the spirit of truth in it? Can it look on other things with the eyes of its spirit? Did you know there is a young man? He's still alive. He's in a different form now named Christ Jesus. He told us in his words when he was walking around on planet earth years and years ago. He said, I don't look at anybody in any situation with my natural eyes. I look with the eyes of my spirit. Because I want to know what is spiritually going on. He says, I don't judge by the hearing of these ears. These earthly ears. I judge with my spiritual ears. And I don't look on leaders like most people do. We learned that about King David. Samuel was going to go look for him. Didn't know who he was. And when he found this little boy. He's out in the fields with the sheep. He's smelly. He's not even considered one of the brothers. God says don't look on his outside appearance. I don't do that. I look on the heart. The spiritual part of them. That is what I look at. So do you look at people's situations. From the eyes of your soul. What the world has taught you. What your religion has taught you. What your school, if you went to school, taught you. How about your family and friends? They all have influence on your soul. Or do you look with the eyes of your spirit? Are you even a free person, spiritually? Or are you still under that foreskin of the flesh? Hiding. Maybe you're in a trance. I'll tell you about another story. This lady I was helping years ago. She discovered that when she was about four years old, she had to have surgery for something. They told her to go to sleep. She did. So I met her when she was in her late 50s, maybe. 
early 60s, and she discovered through prayer that her spirit was still asleep under a blanket of a spell, a demonic spirit. It had never woken up from that surgery. So all her learning, all her Bible knowledge, all her prayers were done from her soul. She couldn't look at the world through the eyes of her spirit. It was asleep. Everything she did was what I see with my earthly eyes. If I see a need, then I go fix it. That was the soul at work. Her spirit, and and she said, what do I do? I said, well, wake it up. She says, how? I said, pray. Excuse me. Lift the blanket off and tell it to wake up. And when she did, she was a four-year-old spiritual child. But she's in a 50- or 60-year-old physical body. And the physical body and the subconscious soul... I explain this in my series, if you go look at it, called Mental Health and the Forever Person. It talks about our soul and how it sort of lives in a submarine, hidden away. And its only outlets is the physical body through the five senses. And you'll learn a lot about the soul. It's a not, they're sweet souls, but they are based on your circumstances, your education, your religion, your personal friends, your concepts. But your spirit, in this case with this lady, it was asleep. So she got it awake, but... It didn't know anything. It never walked or talked or listened. So she had a powerful, powerful soul. And she just wouldn't kill it. She wasn't going to let her spirit grow up. Because that soul is not going to give up easily. It's position. So when you become a leader, you must ask yourself, what part of you? Are we going to meet? Who, what part of you is going to be the leader? Your spirit shining out through your soul that has learned how to submit itself to your spirit and is a servant, a helpmate to it. And then it subdues the physical body. Many leaders do never subdue, subdue, excuse me, their physical body. They want pleasure. They want wine. Their eyes are always lusting after the gold and the money and the power. Is that your spirit doing that? Why would some of these corrupt leaders sell their own natural resources? Because they believe in their soul. They are the king. They own you. Your money, the animals, the riches, the diamonds, the gold in it themselves. And they can do whatever they want to with it. Now they have to maneuver around and they got to get signatures on contracts. And they got to convince other people that it's okay. Because it will benefit the nation. Well it is them, but not the rest of the people. That's the soul at work. It's a devilish thing. It doesn't love. Not the way you would like to love. 
It's not the spirit at work. But there are deep hidden things in the spirit. You go study some of these things. They're at work behind the scenes to control the soul. So what part of you are we going to meet? What part of you is going to be the leader? Is your spirit going to rise up with spiritual wisdom and knowledge? I didn't say religious. Do you know how many religions there are? And then there's offshoots of those. That's not what spirituality is. Religion is the soul searching for something that it knows it must have. A connection to a God. But which God? What kind of connection am I supposed to have? I'm supposed to pray to it. How many times a day? How many wives can I have? Because my body wants a lot of sex. The soul's into religion. The spirit part of you is something different. So when you become a leader, which part of you, like on the board, spirit or soul, is going to be leading You don't know yet. Well, you have to study. How would a spirit lead? A spirit leads this way. It reads books, watches movies, and then asks the spirit of truth to reveal what's behind it, to teach it, to guide it, to lead it. And then the spirit knows what it's supposed to do. Then the spirit will sort of shine out, release that knowledge from the spirit to the soul. And the soul goes, yes. And it then gets the body in order. The soul will be in many meetings, make many decisions, but those decisions must come from the spirit. And what happens is, these three parts of us, our spirit, our soul, and our physical body, must all be working together. The spirit must be the king, must give the orders. The soul must obey and submit. And the physical body must carry it out. So when you're in meetings... Your soul is there, talking to the other souls. And I go, where'd you come up with that? I can feel that your idea is so different. Where'd you get all that hope? Why do you think this idea will work? I don't know, but I'm going to follow you. They are sensing something. And it's coming from your spirit. They're sensing an anointing on your words, your ideas. You spend more time in prayer. Great thing. There was a movie by with Gregory Peck, Susan Hayward. I want you to watch it. It's about David and Bathsheba. The very end. Israel is in drought. 
There's all kinds of bad things happening and judgment had come down. But Sheba was going to die. And King David decides to go into the Holy of Holies. Even though the king was never allowed to go in there. He was not anointed for that. He was a shepherd, a warrior, an administrator. Only the priests were to go in. But King David risked it in the movie. Gets on his knees. He starts asking this God of Israel to forgive him. He had grown up. For he was a king who was out of place. He was a king who was supposed to be out with his soldiers in the battlefield. But he was at back in the palace lonely. And he looked over his walls and saw a naked lady Bathsheba bathing and his eyes lusted then he killed his her husband Uriah lied about it covered it up he got caught with his britches down by God God nothing gets past God you think you can do and live your life the way you think Allah's not looking at you how would would Buddha be happy with you or no. They're not. They wouldn't condone most of your thoughts and your behaviors at all. God's, believe it or not, I don't care how evil, look at Mount Olympus. They have rules they have to follow. You go study the gods of Greece. They had rules. And when they violated them, they became corrupt as the Eors did. In the 300. Gods lived by rules. They lived by their integrity. You go study. So in the movie with King David. He knew to go to this God in prayer. Now he's the leader of Israel. But it wasn't beneath him to pray. So he goes into the tent where the Ark of the Covenant is. Gets on his knees. And he starts confessing his sins. And he says, it's not my people's fault. It's not their fault. It's mine. If you get on the website, there is the King David's Prayer. I don't know what section. It's excellent. I think I even made a video of it. Go watch it. Because I can't remember all the exact words. He said, this fault, this bad stuff that's happening to my nation, it's not the people's fault. I was responsible. I was the leader. I was their shepherd and protector. I lied. I stole from them. I killed and murdered to get what I wanted. <clears throat> My eyes lusted after sex. And I hid it. The fault is mine. I am responsible for what's happening in my nation. And to your people. Me and me alone. Can you do that? Can you humble yourself before a God? And take full responsibility for what has happened in your nation and to your people? King David did. He said he had grown up 
As an adult, he was horrible. He asked this God to return the young child in him that had loved him and would have died for him and served him with joy and gladness. Return that child back to him and kill this adult who did adultery and murder and lied and was a thief. He asked to have a part of himself, his soul, be killed. Something has to die. And he asked for that old adult of his to die. Return him in spirit to the child that loved him. And you'll see the pictures when he was a young boy. He took the blame for his nation because he was put in that place anointed, chosen, elected. It wasn't the people's fault. He was the leader. Not them. They were the sheep that were to be protected. You must learn to protect people. He learned it out in the sheepfolds. Watching his father's sheep. You must learn that the land and the nation and the people are not yours. They belong to God, the great creator. You are only a shepherd over them. They are his. He will hold you accountable. So in this movie with Gregory Peck and Susan Hayward. He inches forward towards the ark. And the rule is if any human touched the ark, they would die. Because a human was defiled and wicked. And God's holiness was so pure, it would kill him, strike him down. David knew he had to die. And he risked it. He put his hands on the ark and the lightning came. It was killing David the adult. It was killing the adulterer that killed Uriah. It was killing the murderer. It was killing the thief and the robber. It was killing, destroying that part in the soul. Because David was just a flesh creature at that time. He was That was being killed. And the child was being restored. A loving, forgiving child in the mind of God. Can you go to a God that you pray to and ask to kill part of yourself that's wicked and evil, murdered people and abused people, and you will take the blame for your nation yourself, and you will see that you have robbed it of its glory. King David did. He was restored a righteous child in this God's eyes. But something will have to pay the price. Something in you will have to die. Can you do that? Is that the kind of leader you are that you will say it from my spirit and soul? I am the image and the likeness of this nation. And when he came out, the priest said, the rain started coming, the drought was broken. Adultery and wickedness and murder 
and sin had been broken off the land and the people because the king the leader went and repented he knew that some part of him had to die and sacrifice itself he had to return to the innocence inside this God's heart and mind he had to be restored to an earlier life it's excellent to see are you that kind of leader could your spirit go that distance and kill a part of your soul that's evil and wicked can you admit that you only want to be a leader for the goods and the gold and you care nothing for the nation you don't even understand law you don't understand the role of law and order in your nation and people what part are we going to learn rules a nation rules your city your little park your neighborhood your family your soul or your spirit and if your spirit does and you have a God behind it is that a loving God or is he controlling people threatening them An angry God pushes you and shoves you orders you to control other people or is he a loving God does he love you Or do you have to serve him by controlling other people, going out and killing? What part are we, of you, are we going to meet? Are you going to lead by your spirit or your soul? What part are we, of you, can we trust in? What part of you has the wisdom that can lead a nation? Lead your family? Lead a business? Are you just a soul creature? That's totally conformed and shaped, educated by the world? And you have your spirit is still asleep, hiding in the flesh? So ask yourself in this class, class number four, what part of you is the leader? Your spirit that's connected to a loving and kind and merciful God that you get wisdom from and knowledge that's leading you when you pray and sleep. It's guiding you. Are you a shepherd spiritually? Or is your soul, is that the leader? These are questions you must ask yourself if you're going to be a leader. doesn't matter if it's a business, a family, a group, a movement, a revolution. Am I looking at and being talked to by the Spirit through the soul or is it just your soul talking to me 
Now I'm a very spiritually astute person. And I don't like flesh. That's the soul. I can spot it and hear it. and Okay? Easily. Other people can too. Flesh will do this. I promise I'll do this and do that. I'll vote me in. Elect me in. And we do. We believe him. We want to. Or her. And they get in there. They lie. We got them over here in America. They say, this isn't going to happen, period. Just to get you. Oh, you don't have to read that bill? We'll find out what's in it after we pass it. Oh, take advantage of this crisis. Make it work for our political party. That's not a leader. Not a righteous spiritual leader. Could be a spiritual leader, but it's being led by an evil, wicked spirit. Oh yeah, they're out there. In the spirit world, there's competition. Who's going to be the leader of your spirit? There's good and evil. Light and dark. The soul has agendas. We see them right here. Democrat, Republican, nothing. It's a mess. It's a mess. I like if you watch the movie again, 300 with Gerald Butler. When the Persians came, said, oh, you just got to offer us some of your earth and water. And just submit. So king of persia it's all nothing hard nothing simple that's your sign of surrender give us your earth which means you become a slave give us your water your resources that's it well they ended up in the bottom of the well so then uh king uh, of sparta he's talking to his wife and he says i don't know what to do here she said, don't think of this as a king or even a husband. Make your decision of what you're going to do. Not from those, but what would a free man do to protect freedom and the people from slavery. Sometimes you have to change your viewpoint and come up with an answer based on freedom but freedom doesn't mean the absence of law and order freedom means the right to choose and when somebody's trying to overtake you we see it right now force change through riots and looting that's not leading that's violence that's war trying to take over cities and force change. So go watch that movie 300. What would a free man do? What decisions would he make? For the people he cares about. So in that the king of Sparta. Gerald Butler. Goes up and asks the old priest. Because you better be in prayer. And have a connection two gods or a god and you better be seeking them out for everything you're to do even back then they knew there was a connection 
You can get way off as a leader. You can do trades, get marriages for trade. That's not a leader. So Gerald climbs up the hill. And those Eeyores, oh, they were ugly. And some festival was coming, Carnea or something. They said, you got to wait for that. But he didn't know that the Persians had already gotten to him, paid him off with gold. So to tell him, don't you go now, you wait. Because the Persians were coming. Your enemy of your nation and your people will come behind the scenes spiritually in this, and promise people, oh, if you'll do this, if you'll do that, we'll give you this. We've had it done. It's done everywhere. We promise you'll have whatever you want. Is that the kind of leader you want to be? So ask yourself, what part of you is going to lead you, your family, your neighborhood, your country, your nation, your spirit, or your soul? Be thinking. Go watch the movies. Go study the ancient leaders and kings of all nations. They're all out there on history. Learn. Being a leader is the loneliest thing you'll ever have to do. You can trust no one. You can have no friends. They'll all want to take advantage of you. And you won't like that. Because then you'll know they're just liking me because I have something. That's not friendship. Can't trust your family. They'll kill you. If you have too many wives, the wives are going to want their sons over somebody else's sons. It's always tribal warfare who will be the king. A lot of hanger honors. A lot of women will just come up to you if you're a man. Rub their legs. Get you to bed. And you'll do anything for that. If you're a female. You want to be the. Madam secretary. And you'll do anything for that. People kill. Their own family members. They kill their own generals. Their own council people. Ambassadors. Because they disobeyed. It's a hard place to be in. You must be wise, educated. But know the enemy will come. It's very lonely up there. Very, very lonely. You won't have a normal life. And the life you have, if it's unrighteous, you're hanging out with unrighteous people. And they got you because they will know your weaknesses in your souls. Your little pleasures you don't want nobody to know about. Just throw in old Jeffrey Epstein. World leaders with him. They got him. You'll never hear anything. Those world leaders, they're not going to let their secrets come out. There's money. Sex. Deals. That they don't want anybody to know. It's a shadowy world of leaders. Mafias are involved, gangs and drug cartels. 
Mm-hmm. Threatening. Being a leader is a hard thing to be. Require you to be a different person. Mm-hmm. You're there at the whims if it's elected of the people. If they decide they don't like you, you're out. All the goodies are gone. So you'll lie, cheat, and still promise anything, even stuff the ballot boxes. If that don't work, you'll go and have a military coup. We got that in Venezuela. And then what you do, you make your connections with more powerful countries that'll support you. You rape the people. You steal from them. You give all the goods to your people. Back to you think in Venezuela, their oil—it's going to Russia, it's going to Cuba. Though he don't care about the people, it's not the people. We're going to subdue the people, any way necessary. It's the land and its resources, its oil and its gold and its cattle. And a lot of people, when they get in that power, it's a powerful position to be a leader. They ain't not going to give it up. If you listen to them, if you're a king, it's for life. Not until the last breath is gone. You can be forced to advocate. If you're a military sort of general person, your generals around you, they ain't going to kill you. Because their lives and their family depend on you being there. And they still believe a certain family is to run a country. You want to go into that? How tough are you? You got a tough soul, then you become just like the very thing you don't like. Being a leader, you must be tough. You must see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears. You must know what is spiritually at work in your nation. What is spiritually behind what's going on? Is that a good thing or bad things? You must be able to look at all the religions that are in your country. See what influence they have. You must understand poverty. Lack of education. Why people live in shanties. I just saw a great thing on YouTube. Do you know that China and the Southeast Asian countries are the worst polluters of the ocean with plastic? China! Why don't they take care of that? Why are they the worst polluters? China is of plastic in the oceans. And yet they don't have to come under any because they're a developing country. They get to slip and slide away from all the rules. Most people care about the oceans, the animals. And they let China slip. They don't have to follow. China has learned a secret. We will play to our weaknesses and our deficits while we build our strength. And you aren't going to know what we're really doing. Other countries do the same thing. People don't care about the oceans, the land. They just throw away society. Throw that in the streets. Throw that out of the cars. Is that the kind of leader you're going to be? 
or you're going to pollute the waters. Can you go and build wells and, and houses, proper bridges? The land is full of stuff it will help you. But if you're an enemy of the land, enemy of the God that created it, and you are just a selfish, unrighteous leader, you're going to have a mess. So please look at yourself. Ask yourself these questions. What part am I is going to be the leader? Not only of myself, my neighborhood, my business, my company, my family, and my nation, my spirit, or my soul. I'll come again next week with another one, number five. Maybe we'll go into, I can't remember what the next one is. Oh well, come back. I'll have this up and out. I'll put it out Sunday, uh, late Sunday night, which will be Monday morning over in Nigeria. And uh, enjoy. Being a true leader is hard work. It takes time. It takes introspection of yourself. It takes knowledge of your country, people, systems. Why is there poverty in your nation? What is the situation of the educational system? The hospital situation? Why is there no sanitation? Why do people litter? Where's all the money going? Who's taking the money? Is there enough money? How much do you pay the leaders of the nation? Good questions. That's what a good leader starts looking at. Must know finance and business. Must understand the land. Go watch the video I did for Moses in Uganda because they were having problems. Go see what a leader has to do to have the land work with you. Just one part of it. Go watch the movie David and Bathsheba. Gregory Peck and Susan Hayward. Go learn the heart of a king for the nation and the people. Go study the ancient kings of your nation. See what they did that was good and righteous and see to do what that was wrong. Study the colonial powers that came in. What made them such powerful nations? What made them that you even want to go there now and go to their schools? Did you know all their schools were created by Christians? Protestant Christians. Why does England and some of these colonial powers have? Because they have people that think. They're in touch with a God that wants to help them. They believe in freedom. They fought two world wars. Against a spiritual thing coming out of Germany, which is still there. So you have to do spiritual battle. You have to know about the spiritual stuff. You have to know a lot to be a leader. So ask yourself. You can't just be all spiritual. You must need and use your soul. My soul is talking to you now. But it's coming from my spirit, through my soul, 
to you, to your soul, and to your spirit. You must understand that. You must love your nation. We've had people that look at, um, who was it that, oh gosh, down in South Africa. I can't even think of his name. That had to go to jail for 28 years. He had to learn a lesson. He had to learn to love the white people. Nelson Mandela is his name. That's a hard 28 years to learn something simple. But when he came out, he lost his first wife. He loved his guards. He went from an angry man with unforgiveness and bitterness towards the white people. Oh, they did Africa, South Africa wrong. But first he had to learn in jail for 28 years. He had to get to know them close up. He comes out and he was filled with love for the white people. Please don't go that route where you have to spend 28 years in a prison just to love people of another color. Then he became president. Mahatma Gandhi was was in India, as you know. He went to England. Why weren't there any law schools in England? England came into India. Colonialized it. Was the colonial power built the railroads? Why wasn't India building the railroads and doing all that England did? And when he came back. He wanted to free his country of this colonial power. But he didn't go to war. He sat and he didn't eat. He could talk. He could write. He was a learned man. Are you? Nelson Mandela was a lawyer also. Do you know the law? Many other people, there's leaders, oh, we go to war. Whoever's the strongest got the most men. They call it the phallics. You can whip butt. Whoever's got the most guys standing after the battle, we the leaders. Some people believe in violence as leadership. Some people are connected with groups that are more religiously violent and controlling than others what kind of leader are you who are you connected with what are your philosophies who would be your allies some people do it we don't want anything to do with the west or the east there's so much going on right now in the islamic nations There's fractions and war between who's going to control the oil. We got some that want to be connected to the Muslim Brotherhood. Very violent group. Others that don't. And we got war. You're fighting among yourselves. Over control of a land and its oil. Not so much the people. Because you can subdue people. You want the oil, the goods, the resources. Because it means money. 
So what kind of leader are you going to be? A spiritual leader? Good or bad? Righteous or unrighteous? Or are you going to be a soulish leader? A man or woman of the flesh? The subconscious that moves through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Go ask yourself. Take time. Look. Evaluate. Research. Be aware of the life that you will leave as a leader. Go study Amenhotet, the ancient pharaoh, the fourth or fifth, who became Akhenaten. If you get a spiritual revelation when you get in and you start changing the whole country, we see that right over here in America right now. Draining the swamp while the swamp fights back. If you come in with different ideas, trying to change your systems, you're going to fight back against you. And you better be tough. They'll have people in government just like we do here. They have been there forever. They're not leaving. Presidents come and go. And they want, they got their system. You either buy into it, become a part of it, become corrupt. We buy you off. We get control. If you come in and you're going to drain it and be a disruptor, all hell will break loose against you. Are you strong enough to do it? So you have to ask yourself, are you a leader of change? And if so, what kind? We've had some presidents over here said, we're going to fundamentally change this country. Uh Uh-huh. They are. They don't want Judeo-Christian. They don't want God here. They don't want people being free. They want a lot of stuff. Now work slowly, slowly, slowly. Over the years to get there. Erode it through law. Now we're in a fast pace through riot. Looting. Violence. I just heard this morning that in Seattle, I think it was. Some of these people have taken over city buildings. There's a group trying to take down this country. You will face that. Unless you subdue the people, like in China or other nations under great fear. Even in North Korea, you have one of your members of your family rise up against the government, they take your whole family for four generations, you've gone to camps. Mm-hmm. What kind of leader are you going to be? What part of you is going to lead? Ask yourself these questions first. Count the cost. That is going to be. I hope you've enjoyed this. I'll try to get it up for you. It'll come up, I guess, when the time comes up. Enjoy. Love you forever. Pastor Deborah. And I'll see you on class number five of Masterclass Initiative of Nigeria.
Thank you for listening and watching this video. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you stopped by today and watch. This is Pastor Deborah, and I hope you come again and watch many, many more videos and learn and grow spiritually. And hear how she has helped people spiritually, the Lord's way, for many, many years. Come again. Watch another one. And we welcome you to be a subscriber to the channel, to make comments. And if you wish to contact Pastor Deborah, please email her at her email address for the ministry at Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. You can also see these videos on Twitter and on the website in the many different sections that they are put into. Enjoy, and it was once again an honor to have you watch and listen. Thank you, and come again to another video of Agape Love, Love is Here Ministry, a ministry of helping people the Lord's way that Pastor Deborah has been doing for many, many years. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah.